you're the fairy who just like shh 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 fairy and i'm the gnome that's like i don't get it <laughs> i don't understand <laughs> give me rocks <laughs> i shovel rocks <laughs> What are you talking about? Rocks are hard. <laughs> well, welcome to Poetry, the podcast where we try to understand poetry. I'm Koya. She's I'm Yuki. Yuki. Oh. You should be more excited to be Yuki, though. I'm Yuki. Mm. No. Well, that sounded yeah. like a like a Muppet. I see it now. I see it. When you said that the other day, I'm like a Muppet character. Yeah. Um, I think I'm trying to inject some energy. That's like what I want to do today. I want to try to like inject some fake energy into my voice today because I'm feeling really tired. So... Mm. you're gonna just pretend you're more no i i can't do that at all i mean i really struggle with that Mm. have you ever worked retail you have to be like Uh, well i was like a children's teacher Mm. so i worked as a barista Mm. for like a month i resected it it was really bad i was great at it that's a job i would i would go back to like if i could make a living yeah if i could make a living like actually i would love it Mm, that was the hardest job I've ever had in my life, including teaching. Where did I you cried. work? Starbucks. <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> I'm sure that there are elements that are hard working at Starbucks, but I do know that one thing that is, is that is much easier, which is that their espresso machines are automatic. So that, that oh, takes yeah. out a lot of the, the pain of it. Oh, but I'm yeah. sure like the like dealing with customers imagine. and stuff. I also like didn't like coffee when I first started working at Starbucks, but they would make you drink the coffee so that you would know <laughs> what it would taste like, which makes sense. And like for the first week I worked there, I just had horrible diarrhea, just <laughs> horrible because I didn't like coffee. I did never drank coffee before. Yeah, this is a horrible idea for me to ever work at Starbucks. So um, you're going to force your energy up, right? That's my plan. I don't think you should. I think you should just sound tired. But nobody wants to listen to a tired sounding person. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm going to. I'm good. You're giving me energy just seeing your beautiful luminous face. Okay. All right. Well, why did you pick this poem? Okay. I picked this poem because I love this poem. I was making a list of my favorite poems off the top of my head. And that one was like the first one that I thought of when I was oh, wow. to, to talk about. Yeah. Um, the first book of poetry I read from Mark Strand was The Continuous Life. And I, I mean, I just fell in love with his, with his poetry. And the more I read, the more I just became enamored. Like he can be so compact with his language and be able to produce just volumes and volumes of meaning um, in a way that that like truly leaves me breathless. Like I, I I can't imagine being able to 
to do that or being able to write that way. So that is why I chose this poem. And I listened to him read it earlier today because I wanted to compare it. Uh, So I'm so interested to know how you will read it. So don't screw it up. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm so nervous. I should have listened to him read it. No, no, no. You should never listen to anyone read it. It should always be... No, that's not true. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. Well, I'm glad you you select this poem for me. I'd never heard of Mark Strand before. Um, When I was like, you know, reading a little bit about his biography, they were saying that like, you know, he's one of those like great American poets that have this huge following and people just like, you know, he like sells out his books and stuff. And I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, I didn't know. I think he's Canadian. Yeah, I think they said he was like Canadian American or something. Okay, yeah. digging into the poem Keeping Things Whole by Mark Strand. Mark Strand was a Canadian-American poet known for his use of simple, precise language and exploring themes of absence, alienation, and rootlessness. He described his poetry as examining the self, the edge of the self, and the edge of the world, what he called that shadow land between self and reality. Because of his father's job, he and his family moved many times throughout his childhood, including to the U.S., Canada, Colombia, Mexico, and Peru. In college, he studied both poetry and painting, attending first Antioch College, then Yale University, where he received his Bachelor of Fine Arts. After college, he shifted his focus away from visual art towards poetry, but the influences of visual artists, particularly the surrealists, can be felt throughout his poems. In a 2014 interview, he shared that surrealism was a political and social movement, as well as an artistic and literary movement. I think a large part of surrealism was to reach or to speak from a place that convention had no use for. That place is the very place that I'm trying to articulate in my poetry. In addition to poetry, he also wrote translations of poetry, children's books, and books on art. After earning his Master of Fine Arts degree from the Iowa Writers' Workshop in 1962, he began teaching at several institutions, including Yale, Princeton, Harvard, Johns Hopkins University, the University of Chicago, and Columbia. Among his many honors during his 50-year career, he was named a MacArthur Fellow in 1987, was named the U.S. Poet Laureate in 1990, was awarded the Bullingen Prize for Poetry, And in 1999, he was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry for his collection, Blizzard of One. Keeping Things Whole by Mark Strand. In a field, I am the absence of field. This is always the case. Wherever I am, I am what is missing. When I walk, I part the air and always the air moves in to fill the spaces where my body's been. We all have reasons for moving. I move to keep things whole. How did I do? Was it different? It was different from his. Okay, tell me how. Um, He read the line, we all have reasons for moving a little more casually. Mm. He said something like, we all have reasons for moving, something mm. like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. 
And I'll send you the link and I'll, um, we can put the link in the like show notes too, to his yeah. reading on YouTube. So my first thought, I was like, oh, this poem is like really sad. You know, this person like feels really bad for taking up space. That was my first thought when reading the poem and kind of like valuing the field over themselves um, and mm-hmm. not really seeing themselves in part of the picture and not feeling like they belong in the picture. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think my first reaction was definitely like, ooh, this is really sad. And I know that this poem really spoke to Koya, so I'm wondering like what that means. <laughs> yeah. So the, the very first time I read it, I must have thought something similar that it's a little bit like it's self-negating in some mm-hmm. sense, the way he talks about himself. But the more I, re- I read it, and I and this is why it kind of pulls me in, is that he's the self-negating aspect kind of gives way to this to this kind of in- profound sense of meaning and purpose. And so mm-hmm. I like art that is able to acknowledge the full kind of spectrum of existence, which is to say, not only paying attention to the good things at the expense of the bad things and not wallowing in the bad things and being unable to see the good things. So my favorite works of art tend to encompass all of that range of experience. And so that's kind of what I see in this poem, but he does this in in a really interesting way where he talks about absence, but by in talking about absence that he is able to bring in a sense of presence and a sense of purpose. And so the first stanza where he says, in a field, I am the absence of field. This is always the case. Wherever I am, I am what is missing. On first reading, it is about this sense that he is what's missing in any particular circumstance. Uh, in, in a field, he's what's missing, which is not just saying that he is an absence, but saying that also that in some sense, he's what's needed in that particular, um, mm. in that particular space, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Missing in that sense of the word missing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I don't think he means that in every circumstance or every physical space, his presence is required. But I think it is kind of more about having a particular purpose to fulfill in any particular circumstance or any particular space. Mm. And so in that sense, it's not, it's not, you know, a kind of arrogance. It's, it's very humbling, you know. Um, For sure. I think that when he's talking about uh, the tension between absence and presence, this is like a broad metaphor for, I think, the sense of Black that we all experience, or that is just kind of a part of the nature of being in the world, is that to feel this kind of lack that we attempt to fill all kinds of ways, but that the presence kind of comes in through committing yourself to life in spite of feeling the lack, in spite of noticing that your presence creates absence. And so that's what I, that's what I get when I, when I read the poem. And I think for him, then keeping things whole, the, the, the noticing the absence imbues him with a duty to, to keep moving, to commit himself to life in order to keep things whole. So it reveals that he has this kind of purpose that he has to to commit to, to 
create cohesion in the world. There is an absence um, in his presence, but he creates wholeness by moving, which is which is an active thing. Like he has to be the person who is doing that. Um, and mm, I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, does that mean anything to you? Yeah, yeah. There were so there were a couple of things that you said that resonated. Um, so one about like having kind of like a responsibility or like that that's the role that he has in the situation. Like he has the ability to to, you know, move out of the space that he's taking up and allow the integrity of other things to mm-hmm. be. Um, and, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, like, is there a time when there's value in that kind of behavior, right? Because you don't always want to be like, oh, I don't deserve to take up space. But like, I think there are times when that's something that's honorable, right? And I was thinking yeah. about, like being in conversations where you shouldn't be the primary voice, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're talking about LGBT issues, then if you're not LGBT, then, you know, you, you shouldn't be the person holding the loudspeaker. Like you should be, Mm -hmm. you know, helping set up the dais or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. not a great analogy, but um, you know, I was kind of thinking about that. Like, I was like, Oh, like that is, it's like a very humble stands to take right like mm-hmm. i'm gonna preserve the integrity of the field or the air or what you know whatever space that they're in so that something else can be complete yeah yeah and yeah thank you for concretizing what i was saying which was pretty abstract because i i think that um i mean i don't i don't know if that's necessarily like the stance that that he would take but yeah I think yeah, yeah. What he, i'm like reading what, he, what he's saying yeah but what he's saying in a concrete application is like exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. um i found the the essay or like this this bit of criticism that i wanted to oh yes to yeah you were telling kind of, me about that yeah yeah the person who wrote its name is her name is um allison c associate for religion and the arts at saint stephen's episcopal church so i get the sense that this was like part of their like weekly study or something and and so she says keeping things whole reckons with what is difficult for the mind to comprehend and for our limited language to explain the relationship of the part to the whole specifically the self's role as part of some unifying enterprise the individual's place in the larger universe the meaning of life itself most of us are hungry for this kind of meaning making We want to know what the point is. We want to know what it is we're supposed to be doing and for whom we are doing it and why. Here I am reminded of what I read in an Annie Dillard essay called Total Eclipse. The mind wants to live forever, she writes, or to learn a very good reason why not. The mind wants the world to return its love or its awareness. The mind wants to know all the world and all eternity, even God. Strand's poem feels to me like a kind of plea for this knowledge and ultimately rests in the impossibility of attaining it. In other words, the poet seems to accept the paradox of his own life, his being in the world as both a presence and an absence, a kind of negative space holder. It's a contradiction. Strand asserts his identity by way of absence. He is what is missing. His existence both holds the world together and also breaks it apart. He is, 
And I suppose each of us are a force capable of both fragmenting the world and also unifying it, which is, to say the least, an enormous responsibility. So I, when I read, I must have read the poem a few years ago and found this. And I just, I appreciated what she was bringing, um, kind of highlighting the, the contradiction um, inherent within the poem. I guess what, what she's doing, she just gets very, very kind of succinctly at like, uh, I guess, yeah, that, that tension, presence and absence and blah, 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 et cetera. I'm cutting all that out. I'm cutting it out. I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> I can't figure out what I well, can't figure out what I'm trying to say. Well, I feel like you already said it like at the beginning, like, you know, like the I, I think when you were trying to explain to me why it's not just about self-negation, which I I definitely see now. Right. Like, but um, I didn't see when I first read um, the poem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that line at the the, in the third stanza we all have reasons for moving right it's like that is his sense of purpose right like that's why Mm -hmm. he he does belong in the picture because even Mm -hmm. though momentarily he's you know creating like i kept thinking of the uh, the horrible like ghastly pictures that you made like i don't know (laughs) it's like exactly what i was imagining like this beautiful golden field of like waist high wheat and this like blacked out image of a ghost (laughs) (laughs) it's like in the field just horrible um yeah you know that's that's the purpose right like yeah he both like sees himself as kind of like ruining the picture but also Mm -hmm. like he's helping it to be whole yeah well and so that's what i love about the poem in these short lines he's able to convey the paradox of of like a kind of longing and of of feeling incomplete which i think pretty much everyone experiences on some level and then the recognition that the feeling of being incomplete and the longing for completion is in some sense what completes you the oh. um he's written everything into these few lines i mean it's 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 absurd it should be impossible <laughs> it doesn't make any sense and he did it and so i struggle to i struggle to articulate this particular paradox because it's it's difficult to contemplate the paradox of yeah i don't think i'm there yet <laughs> but yeah i mean i i mean i don't think i am either it's you know the idea of of presence by means of absence is intentionally very mind-boggling you mm-hmm. know i mean that i mean it's it's like a koan like we were talking about in in one of the episodes we talked about leon lee's poems mm-hmm. you know there there's a lot for contemplation here um this kind of like this feeling of distance and this this deep yearning for closeness when in fact we are exactly as close as we will ever be and ever need to be uh, and exactly as distant as we think we are at the same time. And it's all like with this poem, I mean, it's all a little bit of a shift in perspective to see that like you're what's missing or you're what's missing, you know? I love that. I love that. Like the idea of you can see this in like a very, 
simplistic way, which I think is my general approach to things. Um, but it, you know, with a really simple shift in perspective, it becomes something super profound, like something yeah. kind of bleak and simple turned into something like, oh, like you do belong in this cosmic. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's, that's, a, that's kind of almost exactly it. I mean, this is a poem that is in some sense about like that feeling of, of belonging that actually reminded me, I will often hear people say, when I, when I feel overwhelmed, you know, I think about the, the, the entire cosmos. I think about the, the, the planets and the stars and the fact that we are, you know, one galaxy amongst many galaxies and one universe amongst many universes. And, and then my problems don't seem so big anymore because I realize that like, I'm insignificant, right? Like amongst, you know, everything in the universe, I'm very little and people will express this. And I have never thought of it that way. I have always thought of it as exactly the opposite, that in this vast expanse of all of creation, here I am. <laughs> Look at me. Can you believe it? I'm here. Like, what am I doing here? That's crazy. And it's not that like one of those things is true or false. It's that like, it just sort of depends on how you're looking at it. And I don't think that you are incorrect to read this as a, a, a poem that is about self-negation in some sense, because I think he's intentionally bringing that in because I think you kind of have to deal with those feelings. You have to, to experience and look at and grapple with the spirit, the, the feelings of incompleteness, the feelings of absence and of distance in order to overcome them and achieve presence and wholeness. This, okay. This, my friends, if you're listening is why I love poetry. Because <laughs> I just got taken on a journey and I'm on the other side of the bridge. I'm loving it. I'm loving this poem now. Yeah. I did have a thought. Yeah. So I know that he trained as an artist, like a visual artist, which I think is really cool. And I totally see that like in like, this is a very visual poem. Yeah. Like you can you can see the field and you can kind of see him like moving out of the way. And, you know, the, the wheat stalks just kind of like, you know, oh, totally. put back into place, you know, yeah, yeah. or like the air particles just like yeah. swooshing back in where his body's yeah. been. We're imagining the exact um, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's one thing that I really love. It's like, it's really simple language, but it's very visually like, evocative like it really it is. creates an image in your mind so that's one thing i really loved and then the i think the the last stanza is definitely my favorite um mm -hmm. you know we all have reasons for moving and he says his reason is you know he moves to keep things whole um but i'm wondering like what he thinks other people's reasons for moving are yeah yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that's interesting, too. I, I also had a kind of similar thought um, because what he's describing is so universal. I mean, you want to argue that it's everyone's reason for moving is, is to keep things whole. Mm -hmm. um, I that's also that that stanza is uh, I mean, it's just such a like mic drop, you know, like <laughs> into a poem, you know, that it's that. I mean, it's obviously my favorite. I mean, I, I also very much like the opening of the poem. But for some reason, I always kind of 
imagine this as highlighting a little bit how people don't actually know their reasons for moving Mm-mm-mm-mm. and how a lot of people move because they they know they're supposed to but they don't quite understand uh some people their reason for moving might be uh something you know extremely concrete or something um it, it might be chasing some kind of degree of material success or, or or something like that and not that that's not important but it's not it's a different it's on a different level i guess it's on a, mm-hmm. like a different plane that you would that you would pursue that and it's not necessarily y- your reason for being on earth right uh, for for existing in material reality, and so I, I don't I don't know what he I I, I mean I, I don't have an answer to the question of what other people's for for other people's reasons for moving might be, but for some reason it does bring out for me this idea that other people's reasons for moving might not be known to them in some way, and I'm not mm. sure where where why I think that there's nothing about that necessarily in the poem. It's just what it brings up for me. Can you imagine like someone says to you like, or, you know, they ask you like, oh, what's your reason for moving? Like I move to keep things whole. That's just such like, it's like next level. That's a next level answer. It's so so, like, yeah. And so the other thing, okay. The other thing that I really love, there is like a a, a real profundity to this poem. He's really expounding on the nature of existence here. But then (laughs) I feel like, that last line, I move to keep things whole, kind of gets at like our lived reality in a in a in a much more concrete way, um, or at least or at least a less abstract way that I also really appreciate. I'm sure I'm bringing my own my own understanding into these lines, but just the idea that like on some level, you just have to keep moving. Like it doesn't really, you know, like you might have a reason and you might be aware of the reason, but like in general, you, you can't just stand there. You can't stand there in the field and create an absence in the field forever. You just have to keep moving. That is just the way life is. You just have to keep moving. It's better to know why you're moving. I think we can all agree, but on some level, you just got to go. You can't get stuck. You know, you can't, you can't stagnate. You can't, um, you can't uh, uh, wallow in absence, you know, and you just have to keep going. That is a little bit of like my life motto, which is why I, I don't know that that's necessarily what he, he is intending with those lines, but that is what that brings up for me. Because he, he, he certainly isn't mandating that you have to keep moving. But I think that there is a sense that to not move is undesirable and is antithetical to what you're, it's uh it is not life affirming to not move. Mm. Do you think it's possible to not move? Yeah. But like, just by like living, aren't you just, aren't you like kind of, I think I'm struggling with like the, the concrete, like being in a field, but also like the, the more profound kind of way of thinking about like existence. Yeah. Um, well, and like, if so you're if- living, does that, is that implying movement? I, I think on some level, yes. And, and I, I guess like the way I'm talking about, it, I'm kind of switching, but I'm kind of weaving between two modes of thinking about the poem, which is the the sort of more abstract theological statement about moving and standing still and presence and absence. And then a, a, a sense of meaning that is rooted more in, in material reality. Or I guess, I mean, I'm, even that distinction, I don't love. But anyway, 
I I think that like if we go back to your example about a straight person taking up space in like space that that should be or or at least could be highlighting queer voices or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we go to like a concrete example like that, I think it's easier to pinpoint not moving because you mm-hmm. could as a straight person just be like, no, <laughs> I don't want to move. I matter talk forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, and that just like, you know, of I don't know, like the, the, the sense of entitlement or the sense of like thing, things that things that get you stuck somewhere, you know, that, mm-hmm. that don't allow you to, to grow in a way that is like, conducive to connection i'll say yeah yeah like ego Um, or defensiveness yeah 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 so i mean i I think it's maybe easier to conceptualize like in a concrete way like that like when he's saying we all have reasons for moving to me that that would imply that everyone moves and so i think that's like in some way you're right i think that like don't you just move by virtue of being alive Mm -hmm. well what do you imagine he means by moving I mean, I, th- I I think it's what you said, like there's you can read it in a physical sense, like living in this physical world. Right. Like I move in the sense of like, you know, I change jobs or I start a family or I do some of these things, you know, and there there are different reasons for doing those things. Right. So there's, so there's like movement in kind of this like um, earthly sense. In which case, I think that you have agency, right? Because like you are the agent in our earthly space, right? So you can choose to uh, go for that promotion or you can choose not to. You can choose to stay stuck Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. you can choose to start a family or you could choose not to. Or, you know, you could choose like you have some options there to move Mm -hmm. or not move. Um, but in the more kind of spiritual sense or where movement just means like existing and like being a part of life, mm-hmm. you know, of the world of existence, um, you don't really have as much choice, I guess, other than like if you choose to exit being a part of the world or I don't know, even then it's like, you're still part of the world, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you are remembered, you, your atoms are, you know, dispersed into the world and mm-hmm. um, are affecting things. Uh, somewhere in this essay, what does she say? She says, Oh, good poems by their nature resist paraphrase. And that is, that is the genius of this particular poem is that he's expressing like everything you said, <laughs> And like a more than that in so, like in like two words, <laughs> you know. Um, but that that's what I was thinking too, in terms of one that you can read it in in these two ways, but then also I, I'm leaning more towards the sort of philosophical, spiritual understanding of, of the poem. And I think the essay that I read earlier maybe sums it up a little bit better than I can. Um his existence both holds the world together and also breaks it apart. He is, and I suppose each of us are, a force capable of fragmenting the world and also unifying it, which is, to say the least, an enormous responsibility. 
Mm. So I, I guess I have been thinking of movement in the same terms that you've been thinking of it. I think if I if I were to try and sum it up, I would say something like purpose uh, of like fulfilling purpose, but it's, it really kind of gets at like one dimension of the meaning of what he's talking about, I think. But so, I mean, if I'm looking at it from that perspective, movement, if moving is, is the force we, we all have to break the world apart um, or to like reintegrate it, or what does she say? Fra- fragmenting the world or, or unifying it. Then I think of not moving as, as kind of refusing to engage with that power, um, mm. refusing to acknowledge that you have the power to, to fragment it or to unify it. And that ends up from what I have seen being destructive, um, usually self-destructive, sometimes externally destructive. Uh, and so I, I am kind of understanding not moving as being something as, as like refusing to acknowledge your place in the family of things. Uh, you're, oh. you know, <laughs> all back. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, to, you're not acknowledging that you have a position, however contradictory, however paradoxical, however difficult it is to, to embrace the absence or however difficult it is to embrace the presence, there is still a reason for you to be here. And I see people, you know, refuse to engage with that all the time. And so that's what I'm imagining when I'm imagining someone not moving when I'm, I, I am, when I'm imagining stagnation or, or someone, someone being stuck. Yeah. I, I imagine that as being like a little bit like, you know, what if the poem just stopped with the first two lines in a field? I am the absence of the field. This is always the case. Then you only kind of end up with the self-negating aspect. And I do think people get stuck there and can't reconcile the opposites, which is to a large extent, I think what living well is about. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, it sounds like you have a story um, or m- maybe multiple stories of people who are destructive because they mm-hmm. can't embrace, you know, the fact that there there is a reason for their presence and their absence and their, you know, the, I don't know, I, you put it more eloquently than I did, but um, I don't know. It just sounded like there was a story there. And I was wondering if you could share. Um, I'll speak very generally so that I'm not, you know, disclosing anyone's personal information, but I, yeah, I have plenty. What, what I'm imagining when I, when I imagine this kind of stagnation, um, I frequently meet people who are exactly aware of what their problem is. If this were a poem that was about getting stuck and it just stopped with those first two lines, this would be mm-hmm. someone who was perfectly aware of, you know, of what whatever the issue is, perfectly aware of their own feelings, perfectly aware of their particular flaws, and and has some sort of sense of themselves as as being as being broken or incomplete, you know. Mm-hmm. And in this poem, there isn't anything to be done other than to recognize that, like, that's part of it. But like some people they just they just stop there they never kind of move on to the next phase of embracing the paradox you know or or saying like okay this is an issue i have i know this now i want to do things differently or just like 
even less um, allegorically or whatever. Like some people get stuck with the very notion of existence. Like they they feel that um, they feel like, like like I was saying before about like kind of you know thinking of yourself in the in the scheme of the universe and thinking oh I'm so insignificant, which is could be freeing or it could be or it could it could hold you back. You know, the that some some people can become enamored with or shape their identity around absence or brokenness. I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know if anything I said I just said in the last like five minutes made any sense. But I guess the point is to to your question about like my own kind of experiences with with that kind of stuckness or not mm-hmm. moving. I see all the time people who refuse to engage with life on life's terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than engage with life on life's terms, they use all sorts of coping mechanisms, you know, alcohol or relationships or um, work or, you know, what, whatever it is to avoid the confrontation with absence because it's only through that, I think I said this before, um, but it is only through that, you know, engaging with absence that it, that absence either transforms into or sort of like wavers back and forth between absence and presence. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm imagining when I'm imagining not moving. And, and also the, the counter to what he's saying that if you, he moves to keep things whole, if he didn't move, things would be fragmented. That kind of that kind of reminds me of you know um, I don't know that much about the field of psychology, but there is certainly some concept of like a fragmented self, you know, like someone who has experienced a severe trauma and who has not been able to go through the process of healing um, has a fragmented sense of self. You know, there's there's parts of themselves that they can that they can't reintegrate, and that's kind of what people do when they get stuck when they. Uh, use coping mechanisms to not deal with whatever it is, whether it's, you know, some, some major trauma or just, you know, just like a series of disappointments or whatever. It's a, it's a fragmented self, but in some sense, if you are not whole, then your world is not whole. Mm. If that makes sense. Ooh, that was so much talking and only like one point that I made. This poem is like so much deeper than I realized at first. And I'm like having trouble wrapping my head around it completely. Like she's a as I'm sitting here with you. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I really like the, the example that you gave of, you know, the, the person who's just like only aware of their faults, but not willing to do anything about it. But the, the thing that I was thinking when you were, were sharing that story was like, you know, when you, take some negative thing that maybe someone said about you or that maybe you think about yourself and you adopt that as like a character trait rather than like a thing that you did wrong that maybe you want to try differently the next time. Um, And I think, you know, there is a really big danger in just like accepting, you know, a label and like as a story about yourself, you know, and, so maybe the the way to connect it back to the poem is like, you know, if you're moving, then you're like willing to learn. You're willing to change. You're willing to like 
shift your perspective, you know, and say like, oh, well, you know, I could, I could think of myself as like not good enough or um, whatever bad things people have told me about myself or that I've started to believe about myself. Or I could see those as an opportunity to change or a story about that other person who's saying really mean things about me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't, I don't need to accept that as like the truth about who I am. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) Like, it's just kind of like air, you know, and I need someone to like take it and then like shape it into something real that you can touch. You know? Well, because you're like a fairy, like, and I'm just like a gnome, you know, I think it's like <laughs> gnome fairy energy. <laughs> I think that was a compliment, although I'd definitely rather be a gnome, but like, dang. <laughs> what I was going to say, though, was that I think that that's exactly it. Because when you say, I like this thing someone said about me, like, maybe, like, maybe I'm going to take this on and I'll just say like, okay, this is who I am. Or maybe you'll say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Like, I determine who I am, you know. When you when you do that, you are accepting your own power. And I think that that is one of the, that's one of the key things that runs through the poem, which he is like kind of juxtaposing a little bit against this feel, like his feelings of powerlessness but when in the, that second stanza, which we, we we really haven't talked about, he says, when I walk, I part the air and always the air moves in to fill the spaces where my body's thin. I mean, that's the air is going to move regardless. Right. Like it's not just, you know, it's not like he is necessarily controlling the air. But when he walks, when he chooses to take the steps forward, he is parting the air. You know, like it, it's this it's a kind of. um it's a it's a balance you know he's it's a it's the the power that exists and the the power that he also has and he's like kind of those things are meeting kind of harmoniously and that's i think what this the the essayist was talking about Allison C I think was her name um who, who was talking about it being an enormous responsibility like when when you are able to to accept existence as it is life on life's terms then you are able to accept your own power in some ways to exist within that life and even shape that life, you know, um, to the extent that you can. And like, and that's what, I mean, that's what you're talking about. Like it's, it's acknowledging your own sort of power to, to create your own reality, not necessarily in like the secret sense, but like in the, you know, in the sense that our perspective is, is, you know, certainly shapes our engagement with the world, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Like you have, um, you have to accept that you can exert the same kind of power to move the air as the air has to move into to other move around spaces. You. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, and when you, when you accept that, then you accept like, Oh, like I am also, life you know like i'm i'm just as equally powerful as air as wheat as every other aspect of Mm -hmm. life yeah and you're and you're a part of that like it's all it's a um maybe not seamless is not exactly what i'm thinking of but you all of this exists together and you're a part of what allows it to exist together 
Mm-hmm. You're the unifying force, you know? You're the thing that gives coherence to the world. But so it is, is the incredibly wheat. powerful. And so is the, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, it's, but it's all, all of it is, you know, it exists together and is powerful yeah. together. Yeah. Oh, what an affirming, what an affirming message. We started on a negative, <laughs> like a real negative. I was yeah. in a hole. I was really in yeah. a hole. Yeah. But it ended up really affirming. So a huge caveat to this, though, is that maybe I'm making up all of this. But that's what poetry's about, baby. You know, <laughs> we can make it all up. Yeah, sure. That's what it's about. <laughs> Come fight us, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, do right. you have any closing thoughts? I feel like we've had enough thoughts. I, I feel like we've had enough thoughts, but I did have one question in my back pocket. Okay. So maybe we it? can close on that. Okay. What's the reason you move? Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. So I have, I, I'm, I'm, before I go into a long rambly answer, that's not going to end up anywhere. Let me just say that there is a part of me when I read this poem, I think like, okay, Mark Strand. Like it's all of our reasons for moving. Like you're you're not special. Like we all move to keep things whole, okay? Um, which is unnecessarily aggressive. Yeah, but... it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so I mean, I, I think that I'll be real honest with you. I would like to say that I move to keep things whole because it's 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 just like you said earlier. I mean, it's, it, it wouldn't it just be a stunning thing to hear someone say <laughs> in yeah. conversation? Yeah. Um, but I'm going to say that in an interview. It's like, why do I want this job? I would like this job to keep things whole. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure there's a, there's just there are a million ways you can drop this in and seem just so pretentious. Um, but I, I think realistically, I move. I, I am. I am a very, very curious person. And I think I move to see what's next. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Yeah, I love it. Well, what is your reason? It's so similar. It's so similar. It? I wrote it down. I said, I move to keep things interesting, slightly unstable. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you you want to see what comes next? You want to like, yeah. you know, it's like... You just want to know, like, if I do this, what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, my my brother said to me one time, I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, actually, but he was basically saying he doesn't have, like, he wouldn't feel regret or remorse or fear if he died. But he was like, I'm in the middle of all these anime, and I don't know how they would end. (laughs) Like, I would just, I would just want to know, I just want to know how they end. Yeah. You know, like he's just in the middle of like, you know, a bunch of different stories. And he's just like, well, what's going to happen next? Like, that's what would bother him about dying. And I mean, it's, it was like, you know, it was as good a reason as any. You know, it is. Going, it really you know? is. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's so adorable for a, a grown man to say. <laughs> but yeah, it's as good a reason as any. Yeah. It, the, I think the the job interview version of that is... Uh, he moves to keep learning, you know? Yeah. He just wants to yeah. know. He just wants to know what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, we. 
let's get the hell out of here that was so much yeah. thinking <laughs> it was so much thinking my brain feels warm that's it friends we poetried we're done talking stop listening how's that you have to say the we poetried part we poetried go home yeah, good. <laughs> that was great phew we did it mark strand's biography was compiled from the new york times poetry foundation and the antioch review all links will be available in the show notes our music is from less fm for questions comments concerns or if you have a poem you'd like for us to discuss hit us up at wepoetried at gmail.com that's we.poe.tried at gmail.com thanks for listening see y'all next time